Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. So, Anya, what did you just make us watch? <laughs> what did I just force you against your will to watch? What did you just make us pay good money to watch? Money that we earned. Probably the equivalent of every dime we've made on this podcast. We turned around and actually probably more money than we've made on this podcast. We've turned around and we spent in one fell swoop 
on this program, which you raved about. And apparently, uh, from the production values of this program, probably the entire budget of this program. This was a show, frankly, it was a little bit before my time, but you inexplicably saw it in your childhood, (laughs) had very fond memories of this program. The Funky Phantom. (laughs) What, what, pray tell? To, uh, how, how do you want to explain this program? Uh, Scooby-Doo, but with a Revolutionary War ghost instead of a dog. And also somehow cheaper looking. Yes, the premise of the show is that during the Revolutionary War, a man was out with his cat. As en- one does. Enjoying nature. Uh, a couple of British soldiers see him. And so in an effort to flee from them, he runs and hides in a clock. There's some tragic consequences <laughs> Jesus. of this decision. This this whole sequence is depicted. It's horrifying. He gets locked in the clock and is unable to free himself. So he and his pet perish together alone in the dark terrified basically i could only hope that they lost consciousness quickly that like you know the air went ran out quickly and they just blacked out see why would air run out in a clock i don't think uh i don't think a grandfather clock is airtight is it maybe maybe they they're breathing heavily maybe the co2 i don't know i don't even want to think about it it's so gruesome and upsetting So he dies in the clock with his pet, but somehow he remain his soul remains intact, and I think his soul is somehow aware of the passage of time. He kind of complains about having been locked in the clock for two hundred years, so that indicates that he was bored. So then, two hundred years pass. uh, A trio of teenagers who themselves have a very disturbing relationship. And their dog enter this house and decide, oh, let's play with the hands of the clock. And they play with the hands of the clock. They say, it's not 6 p.m., it's midnight. What? And so as they do this, this, this entity, which has been imprisoned for two centuries, has its first taste of freedom in all that time. We subsequently learned he can go through walls and stuff. So why did he choose to stay in the clock? Maybe he was confused that he was still alive. But he comes out of the clock. He doesn't express real joy for his freedom. Doesn't ask what's happened to the country or anything like that. He just uh, announces that he's the the spirit of 1776. Yeah. And they say he's the funky phantom. And and that's, that's, that's your premise. See, I watched a lot of Boomerang growing up, so, you know, and, and that means I, I didn't really relate to my peers, I wasn't really watching Spongebob, I didn't, you know, I, I was a very awkward child, didn't know the cultural zeitgeist, but I did watch a lot of Funky sh- shows that boomers know about, so I can relate to- Do boomers know about that show? Probably not, not this one. This I wa- show lasted like a season, right? I'm just giving like an example, as, you know, I watched a lot of Scooby-Doo. I watched a lot of Josie and the Pussycats. I watched a lot of Jabbajaw. I watched all those weird fucking shows that were all over Boomerang. I watched Johnny Quest. 
you know, I, I that was where I was kind of getting my pop culture infusion from. And you mentioned, you know, like when we when we were getting to know each other, that I sometimes seem to go into slang that's more like like sixties or you know groovy kind of stuff. And then, and then everything else is like 1930s weird shit. So like that, I mean, I'm just saying it's like, I'm a millennial, but weirdly enough, I, I watched a lot of this shit cause I just was watching Boomerang so often cause I loved Scooby-Doo. I love the mystery stuff. And then I just ended up. So at some point, uh, I remember watching a ton of funky phantom at my grandma's house for some holiday. And I remember like, I was really, I was really into history. I loved the American girl doll series and like. I had the Felicity doll and she's all about colonial history and like, you know, so I was all over that shit. And so I was like, oh my God, it's Scooby-Doo, but with like a revolutionary war guy. you know, I'm a kid. I'm kind of a dumb kid. I'm not thinking what the fuck, but I loved it. And so then I don't remember wh- why it came up recently or we were joking about it. And I, I, I kind of was like, maybe we should watch it to mystery to me. And that here we are. So did you notice there was music playing underneath Anya for a moment? It really had nothing to do with what Anya was saying. <laughs> I don't know if anybody picked up on that. So why, why did I do that? <laughs> to uh, cleverly uh, point out that uh, that was, the, that was throughout the funky phantom. You're, if you're, if you're familiar at all with watching the original seasons of Scooby-Doo, the original two seasons, you know that there's like a distinctive music that they play, incidental music. And so the music will kind of be silly if there's a silly moment. The music will be a bit more suspenseful if there's a chase scene or the ghost is creeping up on someone. So it's, it's you know, different depending on the mood, like most things. In Funky Phantom, they have the same music, same exact songs, but uh, just completely random so you'll have like a silly song playing in a chase scene and a really suspenseful song when the gang is just talking and making up a plan and everything is just ass backwards it's just all over the place and we learned that apparently this was the this is made by the same company that made scooby-doo hannah barbera they were known for some very popular shows they were also known for uh how do i say this maybe cutting some corners on quality is that fair to say that is very fair to say and Scooby-Doo is notorious. They have animation errors. Scooby's arm notoriously turns green at some point during one episode. There's, there's a lot of reused backgrounds that kind of flip in and out, and you're like they're running up past the same tree a billion times. It's, it's a lot of cheap stuff. Fine. This show makes, and you said this, and I thought this summed it up, Funky Phantom makes Scooby-Doo look like a Disney film, like impeccably animated gold standard. That's how cheap this looks. And we found out it was apparently farmed out to Australia. And I think Australia has a lot to answer for for this thing. Jesus Christ. Everything. The animation is it's just 10 times worse than Scooby. And again, Scooby's already having some problems. So when you're plummeting past that point, you got to wonder what the hell is going on here. The characters. Why don't are you talk about. The characters. Yeah, let's talk about let's let's unpack this because this is a little bit. You had some. Well, first, let's start with, with with the ghost himself. He doesn't seem to have any trauma from being in prison for two years. Except in the fucking season finale what? that we just watched. Why don't you talk about that? He has no trauma. He's fine with everything. Whatever. And then the last season, he's like, "Yeah, 
I was followed by these red coats. And, like, you see him die, basically. You see him run into the clock. And you're like, oh, my God, why am I seeing this? Like, I felt physically, I felt, like, physically ill from watching this series <laughs> at the end. We watched a man die. We watched a man and his cat die together in the dark. We didn't literally see it, but we watched them go in the clock. We watched all the build up, all the run up to that fateful mistake. And it was disturbing. It was fucking disturbing. You guys and I kept looking at each other like, what the fuck are we seeing? And so he's then very scared of the redcoats. And in the final story, people pretend to be redcoats to get him to help them find a treasure. They're holding him at like gunpoint. And I want to emphasize this is one stupid thing about the character. He can walk through walls. He can fly. He can do anything. But he also feels pain. He also seemingly wants to sleep a lot. He also uh, can get, like, knocked out of a car and, like, fall down and hurt his butt. I mean, like, it... He's also very afraid, but he's dead. What else can happen to him? He's a dead man. He's Boston Brand. Nobody... What's Boston Brand? He's dead man. The classic comic book character is dead man. Boston Brand is this uh, like trapeze artist. His act gets sabotaged. He dies. But then he's allowed to come back, only he can't get his body back, but he can temporarily inhabit other people's bodies. So he's basically a superhero named Dead Man. Because he's dead. Got it. And he's a man. He's a dead man. And you talk about this character being a dead man. So I said Boston Brand. This character's powers are very ill-defined. Very ill-defined. Uh, it's not really clear how much he remembers or or is aware of his death. If he's constantly scared of dying again or being injured, he can't die. You know? Uh, the worst has happened. The worst has happened. And none of these kids are either willing or smart enough to call him out on it. When he's being, when he's like, oh my God, they might shoot me. It's like, Mudsy, you're fucking dead. You know, sorry. Maybe you don't have to say it that bluntly, but maybe somebody... Maybe April can take him aside and sit him down and say, listen. It's over. Maybe they're being selfish. Maybe they don't want him to know because they want him to keep hanging out with them and helping that him them on their adventures. But maybe they should just tell him, like, maybe it's time for you to move on, right? To the higher plane. You think they should send him to heaven? I think they should send him to a historian. Send him a... Get him connected with, with, uh, with a nice academic historian... Uh, who can do some really extensive interviews and connect him with some people. He's an invaluable primary source for what but it's like to live in a clock. let him rest. He's a human being. He's not a product. He needs to rest. Okay, he's... he's he, I, I, think, I think just having him floating around and aimless, that, that's not... You don't want to. You don't want to die in the Revolutionary War and then end up in the fucking 1970s. Come on, you want to just hanging out with a, a trio of loser kids and their dog. Okay, let's talk about these kids. Okay, well, let's talk about the cat because that's all. The cat's also dead. I don't know what kind of Revolutionary War officer would have brought a cat to to the army. Is he even in the army? He's he's yeah. He's wearing the blue of the Continental Army when he's killed. But he's not, like, on maneuvers or anything. He's just hanging out near... I don't know, maybe uh, his, he's a deserter. I don't know. I, he seems very cowardly. So, so you think you think Mudzi, the hero of this program, is a deserter? Well, he... So you think Washington would have ordered him shot? Hung. They hang... They they, they, uh, they hung deserters. So, so you think George Washington would have ordered 
this character to be strung up? We don't know. Maybe he was on leave. But he didn't seem to be with the army. But he talked about his army experience and fighting the Redcoats and being with George Washington. Although he suspiciously got a lot of details wrong. So I don't know what we're supposed to believe here. Is this like a stolen valor sort of situation? Maybe. Yeah, maybe he was just a just a simple Tory farmer. I don't know. The whole thing's bizarre. And the cat is also has a tricorn hat with a feather in it. Now you're a, you're a history major. Did cats in the Revolutionary War period often wear tricorner hats? <laughs> Only the highest status cats would have done that. No. <laughs> Only the creme de la creme of the cats. That's a historian's take. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> you have a history degree. I have a history degree, and this is what I'm doing with it. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I also don't think, you know, there were camp followers, right? George Washington got really pissed about the camp followers. So the, the war displaced, all these men are leaving, so... Oftentimes they'd be like leaving a farm or something. And if they were very poor, their families had no way of, of subsisting alone. They would follow the camps and uh, do things like laundry, cooking for the camps. They could be kind of, George Washington got really pissed off them. I don't even remember why exactly, but, um, and <coughs> I don't remember anyone bringing cats, but I guess I'd, I'd be open. Maybe there's some research on it. Maybe there's some, some writing on it in some quarterly <laughs> article that I'm not aware of, but so these, so this cat is very mischievous. Cat and the dog have a big beef that's not funny at all and keeps going on and always goes on like what feels like an hour in every episode, even though the episodes are like 20 minutes. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Just some Tom and Jerry bullshit ripoff. Not funny, not amusing, low quality, low effort, but they keep doing it. It's stupid. Talk about the dog. The dog is named Elmo. The dog seems to be some sort of bulldog. The dog uh, it, it does not talk. So subverting that Hanna-Barbera trope. And just seems like very pissed off at the cat most of the time. That's his predominant quality. He at some point is enrolled in a dog competition. So I think we can presume he's a purebred pit bull. Or not, not pit bull, a bulldog. And uh, he actually wins that despite being sabotaged by the cat. But he wears a big bow uh, in that one, but otherwise he's just a simple, normal dog that's owned by one of the kids. Very angry animal. And you, you were talking about how disturbing it was to see this character, Mudsy, die. There was also a disturbing scene in the cartoon involving the dog. Is that something you feel comfortable discussing? <laughs> what are you talking about? There is a part in one of the stories where the the teen heroes are tied up. And the bad guy has also elected to tie up the dog. And when I say, oh, you tie up a dog, you're thinking, well, probably he took a length of rope. He tied the dog's collar to one end of the rope, tied the other end of the rope to like a, a stump or a pole of some kind. That's what you're thinking. Because you're you're a sensible, reasonable <coughs> person, but that's not what happened. This, this this bad guy tied the dog's two front paws together, and tied the dog's two back paws together, 
And so the dog is left there bound in this bizarre position, just looking sad and defeated. Yeah, there was a lot of weird bondage in this that I, I feel like definitely went over my head as a child. But now I'm kind of like... But dog bondage. Why? Wh- a lot of dog bondage. There's dog bondage. There's a lot of just weird bondage. I just feel like... Somebody involved in this has some fucking explaining to do. One of the villains in one episode is a furry. A furry. Is, is a dog dogman dogman yes. who his fre- persona who frequently lets out howls that go on too long. And I don't mean like he is dressed like an animal. I mean he's dressed like a furry. Like his outfit looks like a furry outfit. And um, I'm not knocking. I don't. I. I, I don't know anything about that, but it just, it's interesting. It seemed to predict something. So I found that very odd. Uh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. A lo- I will get, I will say this about the series. A lot of its monster character designs are actually genuinely creepy. I don't know whether that's a result of like the animation kind of going into uncanny valley weird territory, but that somebody was doing something with that. But the main characters of this, oh my god, where to fu- where do we even fucking begin with these kids? These fucking kids who I was hoping would turn out to be in college but unfortunately are established high as high schoolers. Established. By established. In, word of God. In in canon, in universe. Okay. It's a trio. It's two boys, one girl. Boys are named Augie. He's the tough jock. And Skip. He's the nerdy nerd guy. And then April. Okay. For some reason, 
Skip and Augie are kind of confusing because they almost like have very similar faces. But Skip's the redhead, Augie's the brunette, and then April's blonde. And and Skip is a member of the Monkeys. Skip is played by a member of the Monkeys, uh, Mickey Dolenz. Dolenz. Dolenz, the the drummer. And uh, so these kids appear to be dealing with some sort of very strange love triangle because Skip and Augie are openly competing for April, not in a way of like kind of subtly trying to sabotage each other. Like, Oh, why don't you come with me, April? But like very openly, it's an open conversation with everyone. Um, and they all still hang out with each other, even though they're both trying to become her boyfriend seemingly. And she's thrilled about it. Uh, they both don't seem that happy about having to compete with this other guy for her. But it, it raises all sorts of questions. Like, why are these people hanging out? Like, with Scooby-Doo, okay? There's some subtleties. There's some, like, Velma always seems vaguely irritated by everyone else. But you can understand that because she's the only smart one. Um, you know, Fred's kind of bossy. Fred and Daphne are, they seem to have something going on in the background. We don't know. But you can understand why all these people hang out together. Because they all bring something to the team. In this, it's like, it's just, it's a very strange dynamic. And I was almost like, maybe it's a polyamorous thing. I don't know, maybe like an unstable polyamorous situation. But I I don't know. People don't seem happy. Yes, and the two guys often seem trying to one-up and each other because they fear whoever she's most impressed with she'll want to be with. And one disturbing wrinkle that gets added to all of that is at one point they encounter an older man, man who appears to be probably what in his mid thirties. Yeah, if that. Who is obviously uh, a man in his mid thirties is probably going to be more successful in life than a sixteen-year-old boy. We would hope, and he, this grown man, expresses. Uh, an unnatural interest in this 15 or 16-year-old girl, at which point she immediately throws her friends over to go and be with him. In a drag race. That was a really fucked up episode. And the point of the episode was, like, make sure to drive safely. And it's like, I think you guys are missing on the real PSA of what the fuck is this? Good God. These kids, they I would imagine a, a healthy polyamorous situation would not involve so much jealousy, fighting, rage. I imagine it would be more of like an accepting situation of we're going to not be monogamous, we're going to be with these people, here are the established boundaries. This doesn't seem to be a healthy situation. So I'm not knocking it to knock alternative lifestyles. I'm knocking it because it seems like a fucking powder keg. In this particular example. Yes. These kids, these two boys, they're, they are not happy with the other one. And I just, I, I don't know. And then they are established as high schoolers because they have a varsity football game at some point. You find out that Skip, who's being derided as this nerd the whole time by everyone. Oh, he's scrawny. He's a nerd. He's actually the quarterback for his high school football team. I mean, I know that the quarterback is supposed to be the guy who like calls the shots and is not like... Is like like doesn't have to be the strongest physically person on the on the team, but I I don't think most people would be like looking at the quarterback on their high school team and be like, ah, oh, what a nerd. I mean, like he's a jock too. So, I 
I don't get this. These why I Jesus Christ. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So what do you remember what it was that attracted you to this show as a child? I think honestly it was the premise. I think I loved the idea of like a, a, a man being tortured by loneliness after dying alone and in, in despair. That really appealed to young Anya. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was kind of a morbid kid. I I loved history. I loved Scooby. So I think I just saw this as like, oh, it's Scooby Doo with some dumb history, uh, which is true in terms of its premise, but the execution's very off. Like, they have a whole episode where it's just about somebody trying to run April's uncle's chicken business out of out of town. And, like, that's kind of a fascinating one because the stakes feel so low in that. It's just a guy dressed up like a chicken trying to scare a chicken vendor. And it's because he works at basically the equivalent of Arby's. He's trying to get... It's, it's, it's as if the owner of, of Arby's was like, let me dress like a scary chicken... And sabotage Popeyes. I mean, that would be an incredible retail story, actually. That'd be a pretty that great would episode. Be incredible. I would I would love to sink my teeth into that one, no pun intended. But that <laughs> that would be incredible. But that's what happens. So some of them feel very high stakes. Sometimes the, the villains you know, like it's, it's just I don't know. And I, I, I you know, they they seem to be kind of like it's weird because they they're in high school, they're going to football games, but they're also traveling around the country. And I know you could say that about Scooby-Doo, but I feel like with Scooby-Doo, like they go on, they go to some far-flung locales at some point, but you could plausibly say, okay, well, they're on vacation together. Whereas these kids seem to be, they're on the East Coast, they're on the West Coast, they're on the East Coast, they're on the West Coast. You could conceivably say Scooby-Doo, well, maybe it's just a weekend trip. Maybe they're just going to a concert on the weekend. I don't know. These kids, I don't... They must be like it must be some weird homeschool situation. I emancipated minors. I have no idea because they're they're on the east coast. They're going to the Muddlemore ancestral homeland. Then they're on the Sequoias in the California. And then and they're, they're in Mexico. Mexico. I mean, they had a they had a very offensive, somewhat offensive episode all about uh, what was it Montezuma. That we could have done without that one. I think we could have done without this whole series. There was no single episode that made me think, hey, this isn't bad. Well, did you say you liked the chicken episode? I was fascinated with the chicken episode because the stakes were so low. And it felt like they really got into this chicken beef situation. But the stakes were pretty low in all these episodes. It wasn't like it was a 24 Jack Bauer situation where there, there was really a lot on that the line. One felt really, that one felt really like they were really reaching for it. In one of them, at the end, the guy doesn't even get arrested. They're just like, you know... Maybe don't operate like a Loch Ness monster thing on a lake if you don't have a permit, uh, you know. But you know, just maybe, just maybe, just like support lake conservation efforts instead of doing this. And he's like, okay, fine. You learned a lesson on. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's restorative justice. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Why do you think they made this show? Because you did some background research on like, on on this, and like, what? Do, why, why do you think they put this out there? Uh, I always heard that Hanna-Barbera had a lot of animators and stuff and and creative teams that uh, who p people that they liked. And, hey, we have a bunch of shows on the air. We can give a lot of people that we like jobs. I like the I like the ethos behind that. But I, doesn't it feel like if they were that was really true, why would they be farming it off to like some studio in Australia that obviously couldn't handle it? And no matter what the reason, 
for this show. This show was a mistake. This show was a huge mistake. I think it's morbidly fascinating. Um, certainly made me appreciate some elements of Scooby-Doo flawed as it is more. Uh, because, again, this makes this makes Scooby-Doo look like a beautiful, mesmerizing Disney film. You know, yes. flowing animation, distinct characters, unique mysteries. Appropriate music. Appropriate music that goes when it's supposed to go. You know, many problems with that show. Many problems that sometimes felt like it was it looked like it was filmed on like a ten dollar budget, but this looks. And also, I always understood the limits of the characters' abilities on Scooby Doo. Th- this ghost, he could, if he needed to, he could fly. Except when, oh, that would make the plot a little bit more difficult. So he can't fly now. Scooby Doo could do all sorts of insane things. He could talk. He can run around. He can dress up. Like a like a guy and like do disguises, but like he's kind of basically operating on the same level as as everybody else there. And like and and they're not. They, I mean, they kind of fly sometimes. I think there was one where we were looking Scooby Doo like gets like trash lids and is flying with those. Okay, so he can do some crazy shit sometimes, but it, it's not it's not to the same extent where like he's he's defying human logic because it's a cartoon. But it's not tied to like who he is or being a ghost, and he's very cowardly. But you could also be like he could die. <laughs> People tried to kill those kids in the course of the series multiple times. There were a number of those cases that would have been an attempted murder charge if adjudicated. Yes. And so when you've been nearly blown up, nearly sawn in half by a log cutter. You know, I can understand being a bit more like fuck. Yeah, fear is an appropriate reaction. Because I could die. I'm a I'm a dog or I'm a but human. But I see I see where you're going with this. What if you were already dead? Would you still have those fears? You shouldn't unless they're trying to conceal from him the fact that he I mean, but he knows it's modern times. He knows that. He accepts that. So, and he refers to himself frequently as a funky phantom. And the spirit of 76. So what's what's not adding up for this this dead man? And I feel like there's a lot of situations where it's like like he doesn't help out quick enough. Like things kind of get dicey and it's like he's scared and they have to like kind of goad him into doing something and it's like you're not at risk here. We are. We're the human teens who are in a weird relationship and in, at risk from these villains. And you, like, come in and fucking help us. And it's like, he's just, I, I don't get it. And if you'd been in <clears throat> if you'd been in prison for 200 years and a clock and you're free, wouldn't you take some time to explore this brave new world? Or would you just hang out with a couple of loser kids and their dog? I mean, I guess he is. Expl- I mean, they're going everywhere. But yeah, I think it's So you weird. applaud his decision. I know, I think it's weird. I think you don't want to... I think it's definitely weird. And he... the, the Who's... Who is the impressionator? What what impression is this person doing? Was he doing the Snagglepuss voice? Snagglepuss uh, voice. Uh, Bert Lahr? Yeah. So that gets old pretty fast. <laughs> gets old and it almost comes around to being amusing. And then it just... Go, like, it just... Is not even close to. It never gets even close to a music. I kind of find it funny when he would be mispronouncing words sometimes, but I think that's the Stockholm syndrome talking. 
Yes. We paid money for this. Tax deductible. <laughs> Only if you want to tell the government and admit <laughs> to the government that we chose to spend money on the Funky Phantom. I'd rather eat the loss. I want to take you up on on the Funky Phantom ride at that. What, where was that place that had the Funky Phantom theme park? Was it King, talking about Kings Island? Kings Island. I'm going to take you to Kings Island and take you on top of the goddamn uh, uh, Funky Phantom ride and <laughs> give you the speech that uh, Harry Lime gave in The Third Man. <laughs> Free of Intim tax, old boy. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, we've hit a low point, and we're, we're we apologize to everyone who had to listen to us rant about this. But sometimes you're like, you're in a tunnel, and you just keep going forward, you know. And you just you're like, I'm halfway through. I gotta, you know, there I could see the light. Let's move forward. And that's sort of I think what we did with this season. We watched every single second of every single episode. Yeah, five star final. I think that it's probably best that the funky fandom stays dead and buried. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at Mystery to Me Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.